Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. G'day, legends. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Going to have Clarky joining me in just a minute to go through our best Melbourne Storm team ever, but it's the B team. We dropped our A team last week, so go and have a listen to that if you haven't already. This B team is unbelievable. Before we dive into that, though, I just want to say, if you get an opportunity, go back and listen to a podcast we dropped last night talking about Andrew Johns. Uh, obviously, the eighth immortal, one of the best we've ever seen, if not the best we've ever seen. I don't think many people would push back on saying he is the best player we've ever seen. A really interesting look at his career from a little bit of a different point of view that we don't hear enough of, in my opinion. A really interesting chat, and one that a lot of people messaged me and sort of thought I was having a go at Joey. I'm not at all. I think I'm just respecting what he could have done in his career if he wasn't injured, which is an unbelievable thought. Go back and have a listen to that podcast, guys. But for now, enjoy this chat with Clarkie. Down the block, Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. At the end of last week, Clarkie joined me to name our best Melbourne Storm team of all time. And, mate, wasn't it a lineup? It is, without a doubt, probably the best lineup we would get out of any NRL club. Um, and the fact that we're here for part B or part two again today really just sums up the success of the Melbourne Storm. And I honestly think that they're a club that probably deserves a lot more recognition and praise than what they probably get. And um, you know, you, you, there's probably even an argument that the Storm one of the, the greatest sporting franchises in Australia, regardless of uh, the code. Mate, I, I definitely think it's a fair argument, w- without a doubt. And um, I, I know the both of us, we got a heap of messages after announcing our team the other day. And, mate, to be honest with you, there wasn't too many messages that I got that I was like, oh, this guy's got no idea what he's talking about. Like they, I had people message me saying, you left out these four guys. How could you do that? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Those four guys, they deserved a spot in the 17. But there's only 17 spots. It's just, it shows how successful this club has been and how they just produce talent out of nowhere. I mean, it's not like they're the Penrith Panthers sitting out there in Western City with a massive nursery or the Brisbane Broncos. They're down there in Melbourne. I mean, and a lot of these guys, you know, they had to convince them to go to Melbourne when the Melbourne Storm, like, they, they, they weren't the system that we look at them today. As you just said, one, one of the best sporting um, franchises in the country. I mean, they weren't that at one point. They had to convince players to go down there and then build it from the ground. It really is unbelievable, isn't it? It is unbelievable. And the messages that, you know, we've been receiving after this, like you said, um, you know, there's so many positions really 
you know, besides the big three in Kronk, Slater and Smith, there's realistically an argument that a lot of people in this B team, you can chop and change them into our A team. And there's genuine arguments as to why both players could be selected. Um, and that is just so intriguing to me because there's so many clubs where, you know, they're out and out. Here's their best 17. We can maybe debate four or five positions. For the Melbourne Storm, you know, outside of their big three, there's genuine debate for almost every position. And that's just how blessed they've been with talent over the years. But as you said, not just talent they've bought, um, talent they've somehow developed in a state that doesn't offer many pathways to rugby league. It's incredible to think about. And mate, even when you just think about the more recent history of rugby league, I mean, if we go back to 2016, they were in that grand final. They were in 2017. They were in 2018. They were in 2020. Like, they've been in four of the last five or six grand finals, whatever it might be. They're red-hot favourites to get into this year's grand final again. It is just unbelievable. And I mean, there's so many guys that have missed our team from the current side right now that, gee whiz, I'll tell you what, they could push into a lot of teams at the moment. Like, I know a guy like Justin Olam, we haven't even mentioned him because there's so much other talent here. But, I mean, you, if he was in another NRL club, I think you'd have to consider him in their team, wouldn't you? Most definitely. This current crop of Melbourne Storm superstars, they could very well be building their own legacy where, you know, they win another couple premierships and we're coming back and revisiting this Storm team. And, you know, we're probably thinking, wow, can we really whip up a C team? And, you know, it's to the point where you probably could with this club and, and it'd still be a very, very decent roster. Um, incredible what Craig Bellamy's been able to do down there at the Melbourne Storm. Um, and it's just it's just mind-blowing. Like, there's so much you can talk about and, and reasons why the Melbourne Storm shouldn't be successful. There's so many reasons that it's not even really worth touching on it because we'd be going for too long. But somehow, some way... Craig Bellamy has found a way to make the Melbourne Storm the greatest sporting franchise arguably within Australia and it's I cannot sing praises enough for Craig Bellamy um, I know there's a lot of debate around who the best NRL coaches of all time I never saw someone like Jack, Jack Gibson personally so for me I've really got to say it is Craig Bellamy just for the fact that a lot of the players we'll be discussing today were developed and not bought the players that were bought were bought for a reason and that was to win a premiership and that's what they've done which is what makes it even more incredible. And on what you're saying about how they've been to so many grand finals, the years where the Storm have missed out, I believe besides one where they got stripped of the points, 2010-ish maybe, they've been eliminated in the preliminary um, or, or deep into the finals. We've never seen the Melbourne Storm realistically have a poor season under Craig Bellamy, and that's also crazy to consider. And I think, mate, the other thing, you know, to his credit, we we see so many champion players go through so many clubs and then they retire and it takes so long to recover from that. Team's going to a rebuild. This team, they've lost Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith over the last five or six years. And I'm sorry, have they entered a rebuild in any way, shape or form? Dare I say, they're doing better right now than what they were in some of the years where they had potentially three immortals in their side. This club, they don't rebuild, they just reload and they go again. It is unbelievable. The first rule of a rebuild is don't call it a rebuild. And you look at clubs like um, the Newcastle Knights, they've never fully recovered post-Joey Johns. You know, a lot of the years it was thought it would be Jared Mullen. Then we look at the Cowboys. They're obviously not the same side right now without someone like Jonathan Thurston. They're struggling to find their identity. And so for the Storm to not just lose one big gun, but to lose three, four, five big guns, and to consistently have players that, even to this year, someone like Aaron Penne, not a star in the NRL, but a very solid player for them off the bench. And immediately he gets poached to a rival system. We've seen them lose their up and coming stars previous in previous years, such as Scott Drinkwater. And so 
when you consider all that and put everything we've said together, I think we've formed a pretty good argument for the listeners to at least consider the Melbourne Storm being the greatest Australian uh, sporting franchise. And, mate, I think Scott Drinkwater is the perfect example. I watch the Cowboys every week and think they need Scott Drinkwater to be the best player on the field. Now, a couple of years ago, the Melbourne Storm had the decision, are we going to go with Drinkwater or are we going to go with one of the other three or four guys that we know are going to be superstars? The Melbourne Storm were at a point where they were happy to release Josh Drinkwater, Scott Drinkwater, sorry, and the Cowboys are at a point now where, for me... I think just about every game depends on how he plays realistically. It is unbelievable to think about, to think that last year, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time retired after winning a premiership. And here they are, they come back and we still can't work out not only which hooker is the best at the Melbourne Storm, but which of those two hookers is probably the best in the NRL at the moment. It is just unbelievable what they've been able to achieve and what they continue to achieve. Mate, let's dive into our 17, the original 17. So this was the 18 that we picked a couple of days ago. For those people that haven't listened to it, we'll go through it quickly, but I advise you go back and have a listen to that one. The team that we picked at fullback, Billy Slater on the wings, Josh Adokar and Sully Vunivalu. In the centres, G.I. and Israel Folau. Cam Munster wearing the six. Cooper Cronk in the seven. Up front, Jesse Bromwich and Glenn Lazarus with Cameron Smith wearing the nine. Picks himself there. In the back row, we went for Felice Cafusi and Ryan Hoffman. Dale Finucane in jersey 13. On the bench, we went with the Clive Churchill medalist of 99, Brett Kamali, Robbie Kearns, Adam Blair, and Dallas Johnson rounded out the bench there. One hell of a side, mate. Let's dive into our B team. And straight away off the bat, picking a fullback was extremely difficult. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, he's obviously at the very front of our minds after what he achieved last year. For me, though, I had to go back to the fullback from 99 and... I think, obviously, the guy we picked in our A-team was Billy Slater, one of the best fullbacks of all time. And when I had um, when I had Scotty Hill on the podcast uh, earlier this year, he sort of spoke about how much Billy Slater learned from Robbie Ross. I think it says a lot about Ro- Ro- Robbie Ross, and I think he's a really underappreciated player in this side. For me, he had to be the fullback in this team. Yeah, he was definitely up there, and it was, in the end, an easy decision to select someone like Robbie Ross. Obviously, Ryan Pappenhausen does make it difficult, um, he's obviously a Clive Churchill medalist, but you know someone like Robbie Ross has played for his state. He's played for Australia. He's won a premiership. He's done it all in the game. Whereas someone like Ryan Puffenhausen um, is still, I guess, emerging in his career. He's still very young, and he will go on to have an incredible career. But from what we know now and what we've currently seen, Robbie Ross edges him out for the fullback position. And I think that's the scary thing, mate. I'm pretty confident that within three or four years, we're going to be picking Ryan Puffenhausen as that fullback. And dare I say, if we didn't pick Cameron Munster is our sixth in the first team. He might be the fullback in this team as well. So the depth is just unbelievable. Mate, on the wings, uh, we've got three names here. Marika Korobiti is one that we simply couldn't leave out. He was unbelievable his time at the Melbourne Storm. Then we've got two other wingers and two guys that were from the early days in the Melbourne Storm. We've got Matt Geyer and Marcus Bai. Um, For me, I probably would have lent towards Marcus Bai, but... Guy's career at the Melbourne Storm was just unreal, and we just couldn't leave either of these guys out realistically, could we? Yeah, I think when you look at these two players and you're selecting your greatest Storm team ever, it really depends on your criteria. If you want your out-and-out, give me the best player at their absolute peak in their absolute prime, then you do lean towards someone like Marcus Bai, just because he was so damaging. But then if you look at their career overall for the Melbourne Storm, and you look at some of Guy's accomplishments, some of his achievements, Um, then I think he is the selection there. So depending on what criteria you went with, neither of these players are are a wrong answer. They're both incredible. But I, I do really think it comes back to what exactly your criteria is in what you're selecting. 
And, mate, the two centers that we picked, obviously in the A-10 we had Inglis, who he selects himself there. I don't think there's any possible argument, unless you're telling me he should have been the 5'8". I will hear that argument. But we picked him at center, which meant that we had one more vacant center spot, and it really came down to three names, Israel Folau, Will Chambers, and Matty King. We went for Israel Folau because of, obviously, our criteria, as you've mentioned, at the peak of their powers. And when Folau was at the Melbourne Storm, he was just unbelievable. But the two guys in our B team, Will Chambers and Matt King, I mean, two international centers that... I mean, at one point or another, I believe they were the best centers in the game. Just the, the, the depth, once again, is unbelievable. Incredible. I think under our selection criteria, you've got to have Greg Inglis and Israel Folau there just for the fact that they are, at the peak, you know, two of the best in the position we've ever seen. But then someone like Will Chambers is one of the most consistent centers there. He's been at the Melbourne Storm a few times, and, you know, he was a staple of their side, one of the first selected um, for the Melbourne Storm, for the Queensland Maroons for a number of years there. Um, I believe even for the Australia side, he kept Justin Hodges out uh, at a lot of stages there and overtook his centre role, which is crazy to think about. And then someone like Matt King, um, you know, played 91 uh, games for the club. And whilst he was there, you know, he was playing for the Blues. He was playing for Australia. There was a genuine argument that he was the best outside back in the game at that time. Um, And so when when you sit here and you think Will Chambers and Matt King are in our B-side, um, that's another little crazy aspect of this uh, video, I suppose. And, mate, another name that, that you mentioned earlier before we started recording was Stephen Bell, another guy that's missed. Just, uh, Justin Olam, another guy that's missed the centres in our B team. I mean, it is just crazy. And once again, I could get 10 messages t- like later after this podcast saying, oh, how could you leave Stephen Bell? And I'd go, yeah, no, that's a fair shout. Like, he was a gun player as well. It's just incredible. Mate, let's move to the 5'8 role. Uh, For me, I had to go Scott Hill here, obviously a guy that represented the Kangaroos whilst he was at the Melbourne Storm. Didn't get to play in their premiership uh, in 99, but was part of the squad. And then, unfortunately, his last game was in 2006, their grand final loss uh, to the Brisbane Broncos. And, of course, the year after that, they win the premiership. So, incredibly unlucky timing for Scott Hill, but one of the great players. Another guy that we had here, we had Scott Hill slash Gareth Widdop. I think that Gareth Widdop, he's uh, extremely underrated for his time at the Melbourne Storm. It was little, and I think he's worth a mention here, but I think it's hard to go past Scotty Hill, isn't it? It's hard to go past him for the fact that you know, he did play a fair few more games. He did play more international games and more games for his state than um, Matt Orford ever did. So I think if you had to absolutely pick one, you would say that it would be Scott Hill, but then, you know, there's also a real argument for um, several other options, really, um, such as someone like even Gareth Widdop could be an option there. Um, there's so much depth there for the Melbourne Storm in this position also. Mate, let's move to halfback and uh, Matty Orford, a guy that probably played his best footy at the Manly Seagulls, but his time at Melbourne was unbelievable. And I think we've spoken about him previously, that he sort of was the guy before Cooper Cronk. So it's a little bit forgotten. And um, I mean, to have a halfback that is better than Matt Orford would be incredibly impressive. And dare I say, Jerome Hughes, I think he's probably chased him down now. What Jerome Hughes is doing right now is unbelievable. And I mean, we mentioned earlier, other guys you could have picked at fullback in this team. I mean, Jerome Hughes, he's another guy that we potentially could have picked at fullback. We've gone for him at halfback after what he's achieved over the last few years. Um, in, in the seven position, obviously, these two are both in the shadow of Cooper Cronk. Some serious depth here once again. Yeah, absolutely. And again, depending on your criteria, which way you go here, Jerome Hughes is arguably a top five player in the NRL right now. I've got him as my form halfback, obviously, with Nathan Cleary currently out injured. But then someone like Matt Orford, in his own right as a Dally M winner and you know he was great at the club he didn't play too many four games there for the Storm 120 games all up which is probably a few more than people remember uh, I assume most fans would remember his time at the Manly Seagulls a little bit more but we spoke about on our main podcast that there was a lot of players at the Melbourne Storm that 
really set the club up for success and laid the platform for the um, the success they had throughout the modern era. And Matt Orford was certainly one of those players. Mate, let's move to the front row. And um, these two guys, Brett White, funnily enough, he was the first guy we ever had on this podcast. He was our first ever episode. So a nice little throwback there. Obviously, the assistant coach of the Canberra Raiders, champion bloke. Brett White picks himself, along with Christian Welsh, who... Um, mate, for me right now, I think he's one of the best front rowers in the game. And if you said to me, I think he's the best front row in the game, I don't think I could argue with you. Yeah, I think for someone like uh, Brett White, you know, we, we've been there, we've seen his career, it, it's all unfolded. And it was an incredible career. But as you say, with this current crop of Melbourne Storm superstars and great front rowers they currently have, could we see someone like Brett White edged out of this fight? It's really crazy to think about because we, we, we've seen Brett White's career. We've seen him play for Australia. We've seen him play for the Blues. And, you know, when we're not talking about a, a Melbourne A side, we're talking about a B side. You'd almost think it would be impossible for someone like Brett White to ever be forced out of either of those sides. But that's the reality of this Melbourne Storm team. Brett White, an incredible career. But, I mean, it, it really could be a possibility that he could be forced out of even the B side a few years from now, unfortunately. And mate, for me, probably the hardest part of this whole thing was um, was finding a hooker after Cameron Smith. I mean, it feels like he has just been there for an eternity. The guy before him was Richard Swain, really solid footballer. But Brandon Smith, I think what he's achieved over the last two years, I think he probably has to be the nine, especially the way that he's played this year. He's been unbelievable. And to think that, I mean, here we are talking about the best nines for Melbourne. We haven't even mentioned Harry Grant, and it would be unfair to put Grant as the nine right now because, I mean, he's only been there for a couple of months, really. He was there previously, but he's only played this year for a couple of months. He's been injured for a lot of it. I mean, we've got Brandon Smith there, and, and mate, the, the back row was incredibly hard to pick, and dare I say, if we were to come back and do this in five years' time, I think Harry Grant's going to have to be the nine, and Brandon Smith's going to shift to the back row. It's going to get even more difficult. Was Brandon Smith, was he the standout for you at nine, mate? Yeah, he's second to Cameron Smith. He's achieved a fair bit more than Harry Grant just to do the stage of his career. Um, there was actually one phase there where Brandon Smith had started more international games than he played NRL games starting, which is a crazy stat. But obviously, that's the sort of stat that you can get when you're stuck behind someone like Cameron Smith, who, um, you know, when we think of the second best hooker at Melbourne Storm, um, there, there will be debate for years to come. It will be between Brandon Smith and Harry Grant, but there will never be debate for who the best hooker was. It will always be Cameron Smith. But these two have a running battle now. Some argue Brandon Smith's better. Some argue Harry Grant is better. Grant's been a fair bit injured this year. And I can understand people saying we might be mentioning him a little bit too prematurely, but you just get the vibe that there's just something really special about Harry Grant. And as you say, I wouldn't be too surprised if we'll come back here five years from now and he was our starting nine. Mate, uh, let's dive into the back row. And, I, uh, you know, we both found this incredibly difficult to pick here and uh, we ended up going for Mick Crocker first of all, a guy that uh, played for a couple of years down there at the Melbourne Storm I I think the moment I'll always remember him for is probably that grand final when he absolutely cleaned up Brett Stewart, Um, a pretty iconic moment in grand final history wasn't it? Yeah it was and I think the thing with someone like Mick Crocker was Craig Bellamy had never to that stage really gone out and signed a representative star and Mick Crocker was the first one that he sort of did that for So he obviously saw maybe a little bit of mongrel or something he thought was missing from his roster and he opted to go and sign that. And, you know, when you sign someone like Mick Crocker, Craig Bellamy knew exactly what he was getting. He got exactly what he wanted. And then someone like Stephen Kearney starting in the back row. I think Stephen Kearney's playing career is probably a little bit overshadowed and a little bit underappreciated due to his lack of success as a head coach. But make no mistake, Stephen Kearney on his day was one of the best back rowers in the game. 
Mate, without a doubt, I think he definitely deserves his selection. And to be honest with you, you actually suggested him in this team. And I've got to tell you, I kind of forgot about him as well. He's just he's just one of those footballers. I don't know. He's, it's like he's faded into the background, even though he's always been at the front of coaching and everything. It's crazy. But I definitely agree with you. I think he's very underrated. Mate, when we talk about underrated back rowers, let's get to our 13. Tawira Nikau. Now, a guy that only played about 50 games for the Melbourne Storm, but was part of the foundation club, was there in 98 and was there in 99 when they... They won the premiership, and I mean, if you go back and watch that grand final, Brett Kamali was deserving of the Clive Churchill medal, but if you were going to give it to anyone else, my God, it was hard to leave him off. Yeah, probably a player I don't remember too much of his career, apart from highlights, but I mean, just from hearing his name, the only thing I've heard is positivity about him. I've heard he was a massive enforcer, one of the toughest men to ever play the game, and I heard that every time he played a game, it was rough, tough, he was durable, resilient, and he'd be in there for a fight. Um, for the full 80 minutes. So, obviously, massive compliments um, heading his way. Mate, uh, let's dive into the bench. And here we went for Ryan Pappenhausen, obviously picking guys at their peak. So, Pappy had to be in this team somewhere. You could argue he, he, he should be at fullback, but I couldn't leave Robbie Ross out. Pappenhausen, what he's achieved in a short amount of time, I think he's played... Oh, I want to say 35 games of first grade at the moment, but he's already got a Clive Churchill. He's got a premiership. I think that injuries probably robbed him of a state of origin debut a couple of times. Uh, an incredible player, Pappy. Thankfully, he gets to return this weekend, which is very exciting. Really, really looking forward to his return. And um, it, although it is off the bench, I think a lot of people forget that there was a little bit there where Jerome Hughes was the fullback and Ryan Pappenhausen was coming off the bench there for the Storm. And, he was really, really incredible. I think super coach fans won't forget that because even though he was a bench player, he was almost a must-have in a lot of sides there. And what he was doing off the bench was consistent. It was impressive. But most importantly, he just brought a ton of energy and could really reverse the momentum in a game. And I believe that when Ryan Pappenhausen was coming off the bench, it was before the set of six, six to go rule was introduced. And so when I look back and see how he was able to shift momentum back then, and I think about him coming off the bench this weekend and maybe even longer with Nico Hines playing so well currently at fullback. When I see Ryan Pappenhausen as a utility on any team and I had him on my predicted Blues team this year, I've got no problems with it. I've seen him perform every time from the bench. I think it's a position that really, really suits him. Although obviously you would want him starting at fullback if possible. But Pappy on the bench, no drama for me. I think you bring up a really good point, mate, that he did start on the bench when he came into first grade. And I remember Jerome Hughes was playing fullback. He was absolutely braining it and Mate, people were calling for Pappy to replace him, and it was like Hughes wasn't going to have a seat at the table. Then all of a sudden, he moved to halfback. Just another example of how this system just works so perfectly. Like, they're so rich in so many different positions, and they just move guys around. They chuck them into key positions that seemingly vast majority of the NRL can't find guys that are reliable to play in the halfback position, and they're able to shift their fullback up there, and he wins a premiership. Unbelievable. Mate, let's continue with this bench. The next guy... I, I, I think I saw Billy Slater put up a top five most underrated players that he ever played with or of all time or something along those lines. And this guy was one of them, Ryan Hinchcliffe, um, a guy that could play in the back row. He could play hooker. He was just the toughest bloke on the field every time, wasn't he? He was, and he was really, really loved by Craig Bellamy for his durability and for his versatility. And that's why he's still a part of the uh, Melbourne Storm coaching structure to this day. When I look at someone like Ryan Hinchcliffe, for me, he's a forward that would really suit the modern game. Obviously, he could fit, fit in at hooker there, but then he could also play very, very well in the lock position. Um, probably, you know, very, I wouldn't say a very similar player to Brandon Smith, but they do have some similar attributes in the way they play their game with toughness and the ability to ball play. 
no matter which position they're in. So I think someone like Ryan Hinchcliffe is probably a little bit underappreciated by Storm fans and by rugby rugby league fans in general. That's just due to the fact he did only ever play for New South Wales country. He never managed to pull a Blues jersey on, but there were several games there in several series where that was within the period where Queensland Maroons were dominant. They were on top and, you know, it wouldn't have looked too funny to see someone like Ryan Hinchcliffe there in the 14 jersey potentially just for his versatility and ball playing skills. However, as you always talk about, the game has changed in, in recent years. And for that reason, I think someone like Hinchcliffe would be much more appreciated in the modern game. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And when you think about Ryan Hinchcliffe, mate, I mean, his first two seasons, 07 and 08, he was sort of coming into first grade, earning his spot in that team. By the time 2009 came around, he was a permanent part of that team. And just reading through his numbers over his career, I mean, 09, he played 26 games, 2010, 23 games, 2011, 25 games, 27 games, 23 games, 25, 26 games. I mean, he played 23-plus games every season for like eight years in a row for the Melbourne Storm. And we know how tough and compromising he was. It just sums him up, doesn't it? It really does. I think Ryan Hinchcliffe is the one player that I would really love to see him in the modern game. It would suit him to a tee. He was as tough as ever back in the area where he needed to be tough as ever. But with modern sports science and, um, you know, his ball-playing ability in the game where it's all sped up now and our lots of ball players, he, he would be someone that would be so fun to watch in the modern game. Mate, the next guy we're going to talk about on the bench, he started with the Melbourne Storm, uh, I want to say late 2000s, 07, 08, around that mark. I think he left in 2015 or so. You'd probably know better than me. Kevin Proctor, he obviously moved to the Gold Coast Titans, but he featured heavily in a number of their premierships. He was in their 09 and their 12 side. And I think his last game, I think his last game was the 2016 grand final. Now I think about it. Tell me about Kevin Proctor, mate. Obviously been a captain of your club for a long time and a real champion. Yeah, magnificent player, but I do think no matter what Kevin does with the Titans, his Titans career will be all, always overshadowed by his career at the Melbourne Storm. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just think whilst he was at the Melbourne Storm, he was, if not a top three back rower, I'd say he was definitely within the top five at that time. Probably another one of those forwards, such as someone like a Tim Glasby that left the Storm and left their system and didn't look as comfortable or didn't look as natural in another, in another system such as the Gold Coast Titans. But... Kevin Proctor, when he was at his peak, for me, he was a top five back rower in the game. You knew what you were going to get in every single game. Um, and that's obviously shown by the fact he's played for his country on over 22 times. And and dare I say, mate, like if he hadn't come from Melbourne, if he'd, you know, if he'd come from England and arrived at the Gold Coast Titans, we'd probably hold him in higher regard realistically because he has been brilliant for the Titans for a long time. But it's just because you have that form in that previous system that you know is just unbelievable that it just makes it so hard to compare, doesn't it? 
it does. And I think that's the problem with a lot of Storm players when they do leave. Even someone like uh, Tohu Harris, uh, Tim Glassie was another one I brought up. And there's a couple other names. They escape me at the present moment. But they do leave a system in the Melbourne Storm where it all just clicks. But people hold on to that Storm form and they expect that in the new system with the new colours and the new club. And it, it just doesn't translate um, because the sheer fact of the matter is the Melbourne Storm system sets players up for success. They play to their players' strengths. They always play Storm football, the Melbourne Storm. Um, they never deviate from their game plan so well. And that's why I think we see so many consistent players from their roster. And that's why so many of their players are wanted by rival teams. But as you said, rival teams do sign them and they don't remember that there is a caveat that Melbourne Storm form is not guaranteed in a new system. Mate, you, you actually mentioned the last guy we're going to name in our team, Jersey 17. And d- dare I say this guy, I looked at him for the first two or three years after leaving Melbourne. He arrived at the New Zealand Warriors, Tohu Harris, we're talking about, of course. And I thought, oh, he's not as good as what he was at Melbourne. But my God, I'll tell you what, mate, he has really come out of that shadow over the last few years, hasn't he? I think Tohu Harris, he's one of the premier forwards in our game. And, you know, there was a period when he, when he, when he left the New Zealand Warriors. I'm not even sh- sorry, when he left the Melbourne Storm, I'm not even sure if he wasn't playing as well or if I just sort of fell into that trap of thinking, oh, he's left Melbourne, he can't be as good as what he was. But, mate, over the last few years, he's just gone to another level again, hasn't he? He has. It's an interesting train of thought because I agree with you there. I did think that his form fell off a little bit at the New Zealand Warriors, but how much of that was us falling into that trap where we're looking for Melbourne Storm Harris? Um, you know, for me, Toby Harris is probably one of the only um, players in our game that you could have top five in two positions right now. He could be top five back rower on the edge and he can be a top five player in the middle. And I think that although he plays very differently in both roles, one thing doesn't change. and That's how hard, that's how hard he plays the game and it's his defense and it's his workload throughout the full 80 that doesn't deviate um, no matter which position he's in. Um, obviously, pretty devastating at the moment. The New Zealand Warriors suspect he might have suffered an ACL or a serious knee injury. So we're hoping that scans obviously clear him of that because the New Zealand Warriors, they are to make a push for the top eight current. They need Tohu Harris. Um, but back on to his storm career, absolutely incredible. I think whilst he was starting in the back row there with Kevin Proctor, there's a real argument they were the best back row duo within the NRL at that time. Actually, a guy, mate, that almost got really unlucky at the Melbourne Storm. He played 117 first-grade games in this era. He debuted in 2013, so he missed the 2012 premiership. His last game was in 2017, so the first premiership that he won with the Melbourne Storm was in his last and final game for them. Pretty incredible there. It's not many guys that would play 100-plus first-grade games for the Melbourne Storm over the last 15, 20 years and not win a premiership. He, uh, he, he was lucky he snuck that last game in just quietly. Yeah, very lucky that he did sneak that last game, and I, I do remember him playing there at the um, the 2017 Grand Final, a player that you know probably thought, you know, I've won my premiership now. Why don't I go home to New Zealand and and, and play for the Warriors on, on a larger money contract than the Melbourne Storm could offer? And you can't blame him for it. It's, it's a great idea. Now, mate, as we said, we've got the A team. Now we've got the B team. The B team's unreal. It would beat some of the other A teams that we're going to name over the next few weeks, in my opinion. There's obviously a, a list of notable mentions that you've got, mate. Run us through those. Yeah, so many more notable mentions and we don't want to go on too long. Uh, but someone like Kenny Bromwich, he's won multiple premierships. Someone like Sikamanu, he's won premierships there and played internationally there. Someone like Aiden Tolman, a little bit underrated for his time at, at the Storm, but did yeah. win uh, at least the 2009 premiership, I want to say, before it was later stripped. But he was very, very consistent there. Um, you know, people like to joke about Aiden Tolman, but the fact is he wouldn't have been uh, playing for the Melbourne Storm if Bellamy didn't appreciate his consistency there. Someone like David Kidwell, 
um, you know, who has also played internationally at the club. Not too sure if he won a premiership. Someone like Stephen Bell, you touched on him earlier. And then even the, the story of Scott Drinkwater, we sort of spoke about it a little bit before, but, you know, Billy Slater's gone and all of a sudden it's Scott Drinkwater. He's the man to replace Billy Slater. All of a sudden, Drinkwater goes down injured with a peck injury in a preseason trial or round one. Regardless, it's not his fault. He gets straight into his rehab. But by the time he's completed his rehab, we are saying that Jerome Hughes deserves all the credit in the world because the storm of not missed Billy Slater. That's how well he's playing. And so then we think, okay, Scott Drinkwater will work his way onto the bench and, and work back in that way. But in that time, now we've got Ryan Pappenhausen coming off the bench and people saying, okay, we need to, we need to drop Jerome Hughes. Pappenhausen should be the fullback. And so the Melbourne Storm have gone, well, look, sorry, Scott, but you were our first choice fullback, but in the time you've been injured for 10 weeks, we've actually got two, two ahead of you. So they released Scott Drinkwater. Injuries come in a few years later, and you know then you start to think, oh, you really wish the Melbourne Storm had a hung on to Drinkwater now. Well, hold on. Here's another guy called Nico Hines, who's arguably you know one of the top form players in the NRL right now. And so for me, just the story of Scott Drinkwater and how his release came to be and his time at the Melbourne Storm, it, it's odd but it sums up how magnificent the club is. Uh, mate, like, there are just, I mean, oh, the more we sit here, the more names that come to me that I think, geez, he could have been a fair shout. I mean, I'm thinking about guys like Todd Lowry. He was brilliant for a long time. Dane Nelson, Anthony Quinn played rep footy. Jason Riles played there as well. I mean, there has just been so many stars that have come out of this team. And th- those sort of guys, those notable guys we've mentioned that, you know, they probably wouldn't get a feature in many sides, but... I don't think these guys would have been premiership winners in many other sides. The Melbourne Storm, they just take these guys to complete new levels. I think a lot of the guys we've named, they probably wouldn't have been representative players if they weren't playing at Melbourne. I mean, I've got Justin O'Neill in front of me here. You know, he's a state of origin rep. Dare I say, if he was never at the Melbourne Storm, I don't know if he does play origin realistically. Like, the, what they do... Dane Nielsen is another one. Like, what, where's Dane Nielsen after leaving Melbourne? You know, it's just unbelievable. It is, and, and what we've done a lot this podcast is talk to the past and, and the present. But, uh, you know, if I want to look to the future right now, this current Melbourne Storm team have won 14 in a row. They are currently with the betting agencies, the favourite to win the Premiership. Let's say they go on and win and continue this 14-game win streak, and they win the Premiership. They are going to, or they are on track, sorry, to break the record for the most points scored in NRL uh, history within a regular season. They are on track to potentially win the premiership. They are sitting in first. They are on track to maybe even beat the Penrith Panthers. Uh, I believe Panthers won, was it 18 games straight last year in the regular season, potentially. They're on track to beat that. And when you consider all that combined, there is a real, a, a real possibility that a lot of these guys in the current Melbourne Storm team will be looking for spots in this A and B team in the future. And Again, I've said it so much, but again, it sums up how magnificent the storm is. And, mate, even just looking over the next few years, I mean, it's sh- surely we're only 18 months away from mentioning, you know, Nelson Asafa Solomona in this sort of team. You know, if he wins this year, that's going to be two premierships he's won. He's been critical to both of them. I look at this team moving forward. I mean, Kamakamika, I have no doubt he is going to play a critical role moving forward. Harry Grant, we've obviously mentioned as well. Justin Olam, we've thrown up there. And I know he's leaving, but I mean, if we were to pick guys off their absolute peak, Fuck me, Nico Hines has put his hand up over the last six weeks, hasn't he? He has, and then there's other players in the Storm team that actually haven't even debuted yet. Um, someone I'm talking like Jack Howard. He's only 18 years old, so yeah. I won't be surprised if we don't see him for a little bit. But if anyone wants to after this podcast, put his highlights into YouTube. Very, very impressive, and there's a clear reason why Craig Bellamy signed him. And so you go to the past, magnificent. You go to the present, magnificent. 
and you go to the future with the Melbourne Storm and it still looks magnificent and there's not many teams in the NRL you can say that about. Mate, just, just summarising that team once again, Robbie Ross at fullback, Marika on the wing. Then on the other wing, we've got Guy slash Bye. You can make your own choice there. In the centres, we've got Will Chambers and we've got Matty King. At six, we've got Scott Hill with Gareth Widdop as a little side there. Then we've got Jerome Hughes at seven. We've left Matt Orford out, which is just unbelievable. Brett White, Christian Walsh up front. We've got the Cheese at nine, potentially Harry Grant over the next few years. In the back row, Mick Crocker and Steve Kearney with Taruda Nikau at 13. Ryan Pappenhausen off the bench, Hinchcliffe, Proctor, and of course, Tohu Harris in Jersey 17. For a B team, it is simply unbelievable. Clarky, mate, we thank you once again for joining us. I've got a couple more teams coming over the next few weeks. I know that I went through and did the Cowboys team the other day. I think you knocked up the Knights team the other day. Is that right? That is correct. So, yeah, thanks very much to our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate it. And the next ones will be either the Knights or the Cowboys. So stay tuned for it. We're really looking forward to bringing that to you guys. And um, we appreciate you guys all for tuning into this series. It's been a lot of fun for the Guru and myself. Thanks for your time, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, Guru. Appreciate it. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 